Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you along with Steve Gorham. We're going to take calls with Steve next hour. Steve, let's break down some of these greenhouse gases and some of the cycles that uh, we were talking about. Sure. So uh, the greenhouse effect is, is what is blamed for dangerous global warming. And the greenhouse effect is an effect that's named uh, sunlight enters Earth's atmosphere. And what isn't reflected by clouds goes down and is absorbed by the surface of the Earth. And the Earth, like any warm body, will give off a lower energy infrared radiation. And you can't see that radiation, but we know it's there. And it goes back out and tries to escape into space, but it is absorbed by greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. It causes the molecules of these gases to vibrate. And then when, as those gases cool down, they re-radiate this infrared and that whole effect does tend to warm the surface of the Earth. That, that is established science. That's you, go ahead. But if you start to break down the greenhouse effect, the first thing you learn is that uh, Earth's dominant greenhouse gas, and I usually ask this of audiences, is not carbon dioxide, it's not methane, it's water vapor. Scientists estimate that somewhere between 75 and 90% of Earth's greenhouse effect is caused by water vapor and clouds. And so if, if, you, uh, if you start with 75% and you say, okay, three-quarters of the greenhouse effect is due to water vapor, and you look at the last quarter, most of that part of the greenhouse effect is caused by carbon dioxide. But then you have to say, okay, well, how much of that, of that last quarter, the CO2 and the greenhouse effect, is from our industries? Because the world is filled with carbon dioxide the oceans hold 50 times as much carbon dioxide dissolved as in the atmosphere uh, when plants and the oceans are always releasing CO2 and absorbing it. When plants die, they release carbon dioxide, and when they grow, they absorb it. And then we have volcanoes, both above the surface of the ocean uh, and about 10 times as many under the ocean that are putting gases like carbon dioxide into the environment all the time. Every day, nature puts 20 times as much carbon dioxide into the atmosphere as all of Earth's industries. Jeez. Every single day, 20 times as much. So when you roll this all together, you find that human industry is responsible for about 1% or 2% of Earth's greenhouse effect. That's all. That means if we, could, if we completely eliminated all emissions, we probably might not be able to measure the difference in global temperatures. And so this, this, this whole greenhouse effect idea really is, is, you know, it's beyond common sense. Now, one of your listeners might say, well, then how come scientists think that this is all uh, causing the issue? Some scientists, of course. Probably a majority of scientists, but uh, but that that is a situation over a little bit over half anyway. Well, every climate scientist knows that carbon dioxide by itself can't cause dangerous global warming. That's because it's a very small part of the absor- absorption spectrum. Uh, and remember, water vapor is the biggest part. And uh, the other thing is, it's a nonlinear effect. The first carbon dioxide in the atmosphere raises Earth's surface temperatures a, a fair amount. But as you put more and more into the atmosphere, it's a logarithmic effect. You have less and less effect. And so 
Scientists estimate that if you double atmospheric carbon dioxide, either from natural effects or from man-made, we'd only increase temperatures by about a degree total. That's all. And so then, okay, how do climate scientists get to this alarming prediction of, of rising temperatures? The answer is they rely on a thing called positive feedback. And the logic says that, okay, we put a little, our industry puts a little carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, the atmosphere warms a little bit, it can now hold more water vapor, water vapor is a greenhouse gas, and it provides a positive feedback, it warms a lot more. But the, a lot of evidence shows that that is not occurring. Uh, the climate models have uh, vastly uh, overestimated the warming. Uh, we've had very little warming in the last few years. And so uh, this idea is all based on this, uh, this increased water vapor, not on carbon dioxide, and the evidence is not showing that this is occurring. And by the way, Steve, none of this means that we are not going to have catastrophic weather changes. It just is how is it caused and why. That's right. The Earth, our, our weather varies quite a bit across the Earth. On any given weekend, you can go somewhere in the world and find what appears to be a 500-year weather event, a drought or a flood or a storm. Mm -hmm. That's just the way Earth's climate is. We have these big variations. And people seem to think, you know, we've, I haven't seen a storm like this in 40 years. This must be really abnormal. Matter of fact, must be my neighbor's SUV doing it. But if they look back 100 years or 200 years, we see many of the same storms. And so, uh, again, the evidence doesn't show that we're seeing um, increases in either frequency or uh, severity of, of the weather. And by the way, to folks who might not realize, when they talk about a 500-year flood, it means technically that every 500 years you're going to get a flood of this significant, huge magnitude. However, like in St. Louis in 1993, we had a 500-year flood, but that doesn't mean 500 years from now, 2493, we're going to have another one. It could happen the next year right after that, right? Yeah, that's right. And uh, I want to talk at some point here about the Great California Flood of 1859-1860, uh, but I want to mention one other thing about temperature. I had a couple of students call me up from the University of Southern California, wanted to do an interview, and so we did. And I said, we have to let me ask you a few questions. And one question I posed to them was, okay, how much do you think Earth's temperatures have risen in the last century? And one girl said, 15 degrees, which I think is sort of the perception out there in the public. The answer, though, is one degree in 130 years, one degree Celsius. All of the major temperature metrics at NASA and NOAA and from England all say we've had one degree of rise in 130 years, which is no way abnormal compared to global cycles. And it, you know, it can't possibly be the, the deciding factor in California's forest fires, for example, a couple of tenths of a degree over a few decades. It's, it's just, but people lose the perspective. They go, oh, things are really getting hotter. We've got this problem, but the evidence doesn't show that. Hasn't the California governor basically blamed uh, human-caused climate change for these wildfires when it's really PG&E, the uh, electrical power company? Yeah, well, PG&E probably fa plays a factor because if uh, uh, power lines can cause sparking and all the rest. And it's dry. And it's dry. But Governor Newsom, you're right, has, has blamed uh, climate change. The problem is, though, 
again, we're talking about a couple tenths and a few uh, tenths of a degree in a few decades, and to think that that is the big deal with uh, and and the dryness. Again, if you look at data from from NOAA, there are we we've gone through dry periods in the past over the last century. There were, there was a study done in uh, just a couple years ago called the, uh, let me find it here, the Little Hoover Commission Report. The Little Hoover Commission Report, all right. In 2018, and they said there are three big reasons why California is having these disastrous fires, and they are getting worse, and they're burning more area. But one of the reasons is we've had a century of fire suppression, uh, and so they've prevented these forest fires for a long time, and the forests are now crowded with uh, tinder dry brush, and uh, it's also worsened conditions for insect damage and disease. I think it was the, the U.S. Department of Agriculture that estimates that we had something like, oh, as U.S. Forest Service, 147 mil- million dead trees in California, and most of those dying since 2010. The other factor is they've cut way down on forestry. Uh, it's down about uh, 65% in the last two or three decades. So we have all these these uh, forests that are choked with brush. We're not uh, cutting down the trees. And so when we have a fire, we have these huge conflagrations that nobody can stop. Again, this has nothing to do with two-tenths of a degree temperature rise or, or almost, it's almost negligible. Is there big money in man-made climate change issues? Well, it is. I think it's one of the factors. Ah, yes. Follow the, the, follow the cash. Over, over $300 billion a year right now to try and force the switch to renewables, uh, all sorts of other factors. We have uh, vice presidents of sustainability at companies and deans of sustainability universities. We have environmental desks at newspapers. We have wind and solar and biofuel industries, and, and all these things have become big business. Now, there's, there's nothing wrong with renewables, though. What's wrong with that? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not necessarily against renewables. Uh, I just think that we shouldn't be subsidizing and forcing the adoption of renewables uh, with the idea that we're going to stop the climate from warming or the planet from warming. There's no evidence of that. We also have some what I would call kind of uh, um, severe movements now. We have something called um, um, Electrify Everything. Why don't they simply say, though, Stephen, we're running out of natural resources, folks. We need renewables. It has yeah. nothing to do with climate change. We just need to be able to save the planet because one day, with all these people that are being born on this planet, we're going to run out of natural resources. We're going to yeah, be up well, a creek. Why can't they? Yeah, and that has been an argument. The fact is, though, it's not true. As I talk about in Outside the Green Box, so-called resource depletion isn't happening. We have literally, because of the hydrocarbon revolution from fracturing, we have centuries, at least a couple centuries, of oil and gas remaining. We also have these uh, methane hydrates on the, uh, the coastal shelves under the, under the ocean, where they literally have this ice that is full of natural gas. Uh, those estimates are ten times as large as all the gas reserves in the world so there's really no evidence that we're running out of, uh, of resources. Uh, so that argument doesn't work very well either. What, now, what's your take on 100 U.S. cities that have pledged to be 100% renewable by 2050? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big fad. We have, uh, I'll give you some extreme examples. St. Louis. Uh, that's where I am right now. That's where you are right now. Has 
I think by 2035, they want to be 100% electricity renewable. But the state of Missouri gets about 77% of their power from coal, electrical power, and 97% from non-renewable sources. Ohio is similar. Both Cincinnati and Cleveland uh, mayors or city councils have pledged they're going to be 100% renewable. Ohio is 3% renewable today. Uh, these, uh, these city leaders have absolutely no idea of how to do this and what it's going to cost. But the evidence we see around the world is that it is going to raise energy prices for the residents. The big issue, too, is scientists are warning of a major sea level rise by 2100. And, of course, they're blaming the carbon dioxide pollution for this. They are. Uh, former Vice President Al Gore, in, in uh, uh, his movie and in his books, uh, talked about a 20-foot rise by the year 2100. He got that data from Dr. James Hansen at, at NASA. Others have predicted big rises. But we have very good data on tide gauges. And tide, tide gauges around the world, we have them all over the world, show on average a rise of 7 or 8 inches per century. Uh, further, you can go to a site at NASA, and NASA tells us that uh, oceans have risen 120 meters, 390 feet in the last 20,000 years. And no scientist can tell you when natural sea level rise stopped and man-made sea level rise began. So uh, the great news is uh, uh, we're probably going to have to adjust to a 7 or 8 inch per century rise. The, uh, the bad news is water ski Manhattan postcards are not going to be in big demand. Not, not, not going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah, any, any po- politician who tells you he knows how to stop the rise of the seas, I think you better get uh, a little better... Uh, a little better person to follow. Now, is there any companies leading the way to get this thing taken care of where people don't panic and think it's all man-made? Well, I'm I'm sorry to say most of industry has bought into this. There's tremendous pressure on companies. I talk about it outside the green box. Uh, Companies are spending millions of dollars every year on environmental uh, methods or procedures that don't really do anything for the environment, such as uh, subsidizing and purchasing renewables, counting their carbon dioxide footprint, uh, even buying carbon credits and a lot of other things. Uh, and as, When I go and uh, present to companies, I say there's only one place for this activity. That's in your public relations department because it doesn't do anything else. But they're under terrific pressure uh, even the uh, the uh, petroleum industry has uh, come out uh, saying that we have a great product, everybody wants it, but it's causing the climate to change and it's hurting mankind. <laughs> so, what, what do you, what's your Go take, ahead. Stephen, on weather manipulation? Because uh, I'm convinced we have that capability. I think we do at, on a local scale. Certainly, they've been cloud seeding for a lot of years. Um, and my uncle, who was in the Air Force, said he knew how to do it a while back. And uh, I, I think that can be done locally. Matter of fact, the, uh, it was kind of funny. About four or five years ago, the mayor of Moscow said that they now know how to control snowfall. And the very next winter, he got about 30 inches in a single <laughs> storm. So Maybe that's what they did the wrong way. I remember Wait. when China was hosting the Olympics, uh, some reporter yeah. asked one of the Chinese officials, what are you going to do? This is the rain season. And the Chinese official said, don't worry about the weather. We control that. Well, I do think if, if, if uh, mankind wanted to do 
some big, uh, some big engineering projects, they could certainly adjust Earth's temperatures. The problem is, I don't think we know which is the right direction. You know, you had an expert on earlier talking about the lack of sunspots, uh, like 250 days. Uh, Dr. Svensmark of uh, Denmark and a number of others have postulated that the sunspots on the surface of the, fun, uh, of the sun affect Earth's temperatures. And this lack of sunspots poor trends that were likely to enter a cooling period for a number of years. I could go into how that theory breaks down. but uh, So it may be that we'd go out there and put a bunch of things in the atmosphere to try and keep the planet from warming. And if we enter a cool period, that would not be the right thing to do. No, it would not at all. So what do, what do we do? How, does, how, do, how do we get this to change? How do we get people to change and realize we're in a cycle? It happens. It's always happened. It's happened during the dinosaur era, and it's yeah. always happened. How do we get yeah. them to accept yeah, we can, that? Uh, we can go into cycles, too. But I don't know, George. I, I'm not sure people are going to change. I think, unfortunately, that cities and states have to learn the hard way. Uh, we've seen this in a number of locations now. We've seen it in Australia. In Australia, they went all in for wind and some other things, and their electricity rates went up by 100% in the last decade in the capitals of Australia. U.S. electricity rates have gone up 8% over the same decade. Same thing in Ontario, 100% electricity increase. They put in about 10% renewables, and, and it just went off off the map. In Europe, in Germany, and Denmark, they have uh, about 30,000 wind turbine towers. Those two nations have the highest electricity rates in the world, four times the United States price. Uh, we have the yellow vests in Paris that were, that were rioting. I, I think people eventually say, hey, you know, this isn't working. This is driving up our energy costs. But I'm afraid that states like California are going to have to learn the hard way uh, that this really isn't good policy. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.